Salutations. Welcome to Spiritual Blitherings, Philosophical Ponderings, and Everything Ramblings at the Hopeful Humanist Cafe. I'm your host, Steve, the Hopeful Humanist. And today we're going to talk about ideas and flow, the good life, and a resource for our spiritual toolboxes. Today in episode 12, Difficult Conversations, we're going to talk about how to initiate a difficult yet meaningful and important conversation that usually would be experienced as divisive because it's a polarizing conversation. The thought for the day comes to us from Listen First Project. It's a pledge. It's a very important reminder about one of the key skills we need when we're going to engage in a difficult, important conversation. I will listen first to understand and consider another's views before sharing my own. I will prioritize respect and understanding in conversation. And I will encourage others to do the same. Listening. How would you rate yourself as a listener? I think there's always room for improvement. But listening definitely is a skill. When you're engaged in a really important, perhaps heated conversation, are you listening? Or are you just waiting for your turn to talk, your time to talk? Are you open to a good, persuasive argument that has some facts behind it? Or are you unwavering in your beliefs? Do you stand firm? I was recently listening to a Joe Rogan interview with John Joseph. And this interview identified that even if you think you're in the same camp as someone else. Some of these conversations are still very divisive and heated. I mean, we know we can't at times talk about politics or religion, especially at certain social occasions. It just wouldn't be prudent. But John Joseph in episode 1152 of the Joe Rogan experience was sharing that uh, there appears to be, from his experience, an inability for vegans, not not to not, it, the, the experience he had was not that it's difficult for vegans to talk to non-vegans. His experience was it's hard for vegans to talk to other people who don't identify as being vegan, but still have a vegan lifestyle. So John Joseph talked about a situation where someone approached him and said, hey, why aren't you identifying as being vegan? John Joseph stated that he's not defined just by what he eats and he is an advocate for plant-based whole foods he also is an advocate for for an active healthy lifestyle as opposed to a sedentary lifestyle he talked about the importance of when we know there are differences but we see some common ground that we fan the spark and that we avoid being a fault finder so that's one thread connected to my motivation for having this discussion. The second thread is, when I was on the Mary Schaefer Loop, a trail, uh, one of the more easier, like an easier trail, not a, like an expert trail, it's more for the novice. We were doing the trail along the Moline Lake shoreline, and this is up near Jasper in uh, Alberta. And we met a person from Virginia and uh, she was talking about how she enjoys coming to Alberta 
for the Rockies annually. It's just a joy, and we talked about that in a previous episode, about being awed out. But she said she especially needed the trip this year because, and I didn't ask her to explain or expand because I had a sense of what she's talking about. I think we're talking about politics here. She said, no one can talk about anything anymore, and nobody's happy. That, that was another thread. I said, hmm, what kind of resource can we look for? Can we utilize? It's going to help us with this in terms of having some of these difficult conversations about polarizing ideas. The last thread, and maybe it's a little more indirect, and maybe, maybe it's a little misplaced, but I, I feel like there's a, it's connected. When we were near Elk Lake, I was having a discussion with my son about data. And I said, you know, data is this thing, you know, it's, it's supposed to be concrete, it's observable. When you do experiments, you're supposed to be able to verify the data. It has to be replicable. And uh, But sometimes the interesting thing about data, I said to my son, is if we were to put it on a table and if it was to speak to us, we'd all be hoping that it would speak to us more or less in the same language, but sometimes when we're looking at the data, people see different things, and that's called interpretation. They're interpreting the data differently. And I said, so it's really important to do a whole bunch of experiments, and it's really important to make sure when you're talking about data that both sides identify what it is specifically they're talking about, because sometimes people are talking about statistical things. They're talking about averages and numbers and population samples, and that's nomothetic data. Other times people are talking about their experiences, they're talking about processes, they're talking about case studies. That's called ideographic data. So it's, you really need to know what it is you're talking about. Otherwise, you can have an uh, impasse. You can come to this impasse with someone and, and you might both be shaking your heads. So anyhow, he kind of took this conversation to heart and he started thinking about and on uh, a drive back towards Calgary after we had left the uh, the uh, park, the, the Elk Lake Park area, provincial park area, he said, Dad, I did an experiment. And I said, oh, wow. So what was, what's your experiment? He says, well, I was at the washroom, and, and when I was leaving, I held the door open for people. So I kind of slowed him down because I wanted to see if we can make this as concrete as possible and see what the data was. And he said, well, how many people did you hold the door open for? And he said, well, I held the door open for about uh, 10 people. Okay. So you're... Sample size is 10 people. So, Dad, seven of them, they either looked at me or nodded at me or said thank you or smiled. So, okay. So, 70% of the people responded in that kind of, if we're going to create a category that included an acknowledgement of some sort. And uh, tell me about the other uh, 30%. He said, well, the other three, Dad, the other 30%, they didn't even... Look at me, they didn't smile at me, they didn't nod at me, they didn't even acknowledge me. I said, okay. So 30% responded in this kind of, you know, unacknowledged way. And I said, yeah. And I said, okay. So I asked him to interpret the data. And before I share with you his interpretation, I invite you to take a moment to imagine how would you interpret that data, right? It's 10 people, seven responded in a very kind of positive way, I guess you could say. And three out of uh, the 10 responded in a kind of a dismissive kind of way. What does the data tell us? What do we know? Well, when I asked him, he said, well, 30% need to learn their manners. I kind of chuckled to myself. That's a really interesting 
observation because if we're going to talk about ideographic and nomothetic, uh, it's kind of like he's like, in terms of how he experienced being overlooked, in terms of that process, he's like, okay, the, these people were needed to learn some manners. I asked my wife, I said, well, what do you think? And she said, well, you know, if I was interpreted data, I think that the data is indicating that 70% uh, of the people, 7 out of 10 people that were included in the sample really appreciated um, someone holding the door open for them. She said, but in terms of 30%, maybe one way of looking at that part of the data would be, maybe it wasn't that they need manners, maybe some of them do, but maybe some of them are just in such a rush to get to the washroom that they were oblivious to the fact that someone was holding the door because they were kind of on a mission. So there we go. So those are the three threads that led me to thinking about finding a resource for difficult conversations. And I think in addition to those three threads, what we need to know is when we're going to have a difficult conversation, we need to bring a critically reflective lens. We have to know what our bias is, you know, which way do we usually lean. And there is a website, a companion website for the Living Room Conversations website that I'm going to be showcasing in a moment. And this one's called allsides.com. You can go on there and they look at different, new, like at a news story, and they look at the different sources of the news story, and then they identify the bias if it's left leaning, right leaning, or center, uh, set in the center. And there's a tool in there, so you can use this tool, and it will help you discover your bias. And I think it's important to know our biases when we go into a situation. The other thing we need to do is we need to be able to suspend our judgment. We need to be able to say, for the time being, until everyone's shared, until I've really listened, till all the matters have been addressed at the talking table, I'm going to hold off my thoughts about where I stand on this. Then we need to listen. We need to put on that listening cap. And then at the end, usually our inclination is quite readily to create a position and then to create a defense for that position and, and to support it in some way, to create an argument that we stand by. So these things are really important, I think, if we're going to think about what it means to have a difficult conversation. So as I said, context is important. We might not want to do this at uh, a birthday party or a, a wedding or an, an anniversary of some sort. But when we do find that we're able to have a difficult conversation, I think we should check out I think there could be some real benefit to looking at a website called Living Room Conversations. So there are a number of things that we can access here. First of all, there are a number of resources. There are some videos, uh, but very importantly, I th and I think this is the centerpiece of the website, there is a conversation agreement in the resource section. There are six things that they ask us to be mindful of. Be curious and open to learning. Curiosity, interest in the other person, right? Show respect and suspend judgment. We just identified that's an important ingredient of critically reflective thinking. Find a common ground and note differences. I think the differences smack us in the face, right? I think we're very aware of the differences, but we should be able to be aware about the, the uniqueness of those different perspectives. And, and, and clarify the differences and not kind of like in sweeping, in a sweeping way, have a, a sense of the other person's position. But finding a common ground, sometimes in these very heated discussions, I think we're overlooking the fact that often at the very foundation of the disagreement 
there still is a common ground that we both in a sense want the same thing but we might be coming at it differently because our two eyeballed experience has presented different information about the world and we've interpreted that information differently than someone else and that other people might not have an idea of what our experience might have been and we don't have an idea of what their experience has been. Be authentic and welcome others to be authentic as well. Right? So share what's important to you. Speak authentically from your personal experience. Be purposeful and to the point. Sometimes I think if we got our backs to the wall and we're in a corner, we start to create some uh, rabbit trails and we try to maybe muddy the waters in terms of uh, what it is that we're talking about. I think we, we need to stick to the point and be purposeful in terms of the things that we're sharing and ask ourselves, is this going to be relevant and clarifying or is this going to obscure things? Lastly, own and guide the conversation. So when we do find a situation where we might be frustrated because of what we're hearing, we might be inclined to come up with you statements, but instead of just going on the offense with the you statement, I think there's real power in practicing I feel I need statements. It's a way to accept responsibility for what's going on within oneself. Right? So, you know, right now I'm feeling unheard. Uh, what I really need is to figure out how we can create an environment where everyone has a chance to talk and then everyone's taking a turn listening. So, and I feel I need to. So those are the conversation agreements. You can go to the website. You can access this conversation agreement. There are also a number of guides for a library of ready-made conversations. So you could either access one of these guides and then host a conversation, a living room conversation at your home, or you could do it online through Skype or some kind of meetup. So you can get started. The topics are available. There are guided discussions. There are three different rounds that you go through in terms of becoming familiar with one another. So it's harder to kind of like go on the offense in, in an aggressive way with someone. If you know, you know, what's their motivation? Why is this a really meaningful discussion for them? You get into some of the specifics. And then at the end, it's about what did you take away from the experience? What did you learn? What's something new that you now have uh, that you know that can be helpful in terms of the big picture? And then there's some feedback sheets where they ask you to fill out and give some feedback in terms of improving this whole process. Right? So really great resource. I encourage you to check it out. There's also an opportunity if you create a guide for a discussion that doesn't yet exist, then you can add it to the library. So there's a lot of benefits that I think we would experience if we create a form that encourages openness to alternative points of view. In our personal relationships, we can benefit from understanding other people with different perspectives. And in the process, we could also expand our sense of understanding about a, a topic that's controversial. But yet, that's important. So I thank you for joining me as I shared with you this new resource, Living Room Conversations. I think that we could definitely benefit from figuring out how to facilitate these hard question discussions, um, these hard discussions. And this is just one resource. Maybe it's going to work. Maybe it's not going to work. So before I go, though, I also have a couple of just by the way thoughts I need to share with you. 
in one of my, well, actually in a couple of past episodes, I indicated that uh, the episode was sponsored by the Metal Straw and Dandelions and uh, the Red Dot T-shirt. So that, that was just being playful. There actually are no sponsors. I have no sponsors. This is a Just Some Guy production, and I'm that guy. And I'm doing it in my makeshift studio with my Audio-Technica microphone. And my goal is always to try to improve my sound quality because I know sometimes I can be a soft talker. Secondly, I've imposed, I've, as I indicated in my last episode, that uh, I was going to experiment with happiness. Uh, I was going to post some inspiring thoughts on Twitter. I've, I've, I've done that. I post some inspiring thoughts. And if you're interested, you can check out hashtag explore, expand, become. I also followed through on my commitment to give blood. It was uh, a really interesting and exciting process. And uh, now I'm going to be uh, given a blood donor card. And every 54 or 56 days, I'll be able to give blood. I'm uh, a positive, I believe, which apparently will benefit 36% of the population. And so in terms of experimenting with happiness, I suggest acts of kindness are powerful. And from my experience, it definitely made a difference in terms of elevating my level of happiness. I also want to say that uh, number four, that while I thought I was a part of a group of um, creative souls that came up with this idea of Peace Out Panda, uh, that it's not an original die idea. I actually created a hashtag, Peace Out Panda, for Twitter. Uh, well, I didn't create one because I discovered the hashtag has been around since 2014. It's really important that we don't take credit for things that don't belong to us. And uh, lastly, I'm experimenting with this idea of micro-podcasting. And so I've discovered a application called Anchor and I'm going to actually maybe speak more to that in another episode and uh, it's a platform that allows people to do some micro podcasting and I've created a podcast called Blithering Thoughts. It's just something I'm playing with at this point and uh, I think that we really want and have a need to be creative. We have a need to find our voice and share that voice and the place that we can access all the tools that we need so that we can put a episode out there to share our voice with the world is Anchor. So check that out, Anchor Podcast. So thank you for joining me. I really enjoyed today's discussion. I look forward to our next meeting of minds. Salutations and just one more time. Peace out, Panda. <laughs>